Hello, I'm Greg, and I've never done this before, but I'm about to put up an audio promo for the next episode of Inappropriate Conversations, and part of the reason I want to do so is because of the provocative title I can use. Next up, Human Sacrifice. Yes, I intend to speak about some controversial issues that could be interpreted as addressing the question of human sacrifice here on Inappropriate Conversations, but I think that when I do the recording, the tone is going to be much more mellow, at least more mellow than this promo. And the reason is that I'm trying for the first time to really try on, once again, the pro-life position and look at things from that opposite perspective of saying, hey, what does it say about us as a people? If we've got human beings in our midst, however you may define human beings, that we view as being expendable. I'm going to share a little bit of a clip in the next show from a speaker named Eric Metaxas, who, in giving an address to the President of the United States and a lot of other dignitaries at a prayer breakfast a little bit more than a year ago, he asked that question, talking a little bit about slavery, the legacy of slavery, and the stand that um, Wilberforce took against it, or talking about Nazi Germany and um, what Bonhoeffer did to stand up to you know, Hitler and his planned extermination of the Jews. What do we do? We're just quoting Metaxas. Whom do we say is not fully human today? Who is expendable to us? And he words the question in such a way that he's literally saying that to him, the unborn child is the person that we view as being not quite fully human today and therefore okay to exterminate. And the connection that he makes in the speech, and he soft pedals a bit on the speech, he's dealing with a very large audience of that cuts across the entire political spectrum. But the point that he's trying to make is that from his perspective, we may have to answer for abortion the same way that our society currently is still struggling to answer for the legacy of slavery. And the way Germany is definitely still struggling to answer for the legacy of many aspects of World War II. But here's my problem. Once you cross that line into talking about something like the abortion you know, question as as an issue of human sacrifice, then you've got to ans- ask some bigger questions about what we mean when we make the reference to slavery. And here's what I mean. Metaxas refers to Wilberforce's standing up to the slave traders as if that supply side of the equation was all that really mattered. You just had to stop the, you know, the people from going over to Africa and kidnapping people and holding them against their will and traveling across the ocean and selling them into slavery. He doesn't get anywhere near the demand side. But if what we've got today, when we talk about the issue of abortion and how cavalier, frankly, we are about it, as a question of human sacrifice, a question of expendability, where's the demand side of that equation? And what are we going to do to address that? This has really been piece of this puzzle that I've always struggled with here on Inappropriate Conversations. I've spoken about abortion a handful of times before, and it almost always comes down to this question and how the pro-life community consistently misses it. So, if we soft-pedal the ideas of human sacrifice, I can record an entire show just speaking about my genuine struggle to understand how the unborn, preborn child is anything other than human. It's either going to be a living human or it's going to be a dead human. I'm going to explore that a little bit. But once you start ramping up the rhetoric, talking about human sacrifice instead, well then, 
I think you got to look at the responsibility, both from a supply perspective and a demand perspective. In other words, doesn't the slave owner, doesn't the plantation owner, doesn't the person who is abusive toward you know these you know involuntary immigrants, for want of a of a better word, try to find a a delicate way to soft pedal what's in effect the slave trade? Doesn't that individual own just as much responsibility as the person who sails across the ocean to kidnap people? You know, if there is no demand, the supply itself will disappear. You do not have to address it by supply only. In fact, it's unwise, almost foolish, to attempt to address any sort of a system like this by supply only. I've raised questions in past episodes of inappropriate conversations about whether it makes sense to try to deal with both demand and supply simultaneously, because my perspective is the best way to handle closing a loop like this is to address the demand. Hitler was demanding the extermination of Jews. That's why it happened. You know, the concentration camps didn't pre-exist Hitler's final solution idea, or at least, you know, not in their ultimate purpose, they didn't. And the slave trade, well, perhaps the best way to address the issue of people who are inspired to potentially make money by sailing the seas, kidnapping people for, you know, the purpose of selling them into slavery, is to make it illegal for people to own slaves. Dry up the demand. So when we reel this back into the question of abortion, we start using incendiary words like human sacrifice. Who is responsible for the human sacrifice in our midst? Every time somebody who claims they are pro-life also identifies themselves as anti-contraception, what they are doing in that combination of worldviews is creating unwanted pregnancy. In other words, they are filling slave ships with kidnapped people bound for a life of torment. They are creating abortion. And that's the stumbling block that I've got here. And that's why it's such a difficult, inappropriate conversation show for me to handle. Because I want to be as deferential as I can toward a point of view on this political spectrum that I'm not often that deferential to. But at the same time, I know that deep down, a lot of the people who complain the most loudly about the sacrificing of the lives of unborn children are themselves putting those children into peril. They can blame the volcano all they want to, but it doesn't really work if they're the ones suffering through a primitive superstition that tells them that the only way to assuage the angry god of the mountain is to throw some kid into it. You can make the argument all you want to that you are against the practice of abortion. It doesn't work if you are actually doing more to create the demand than anybody. The only reason the analogy to the plantation owner and slave owner doesn't work here as well as it should is that people who are pro-life and anti-contraception are much more guilty. They have much more blood on their hands than anybody in the American South who fought a civil war to preserve the practice of slavery. Because, at least in the case of the person who was running a plantation back in the day, it was possible for them to turn and walk away from the practice that they were in. Agriculture in America didn't just completely implode because of presidential proclamations and Supreme Court rulings and constitutional amendments. So, I don't see the direct cause and effect there in terms of the, the method of agriculture inevitably leading to the need for slavery. But if you do everything in your power politically to generate a massive, 
unchecked supply of unwanted pregnancy, you are creating abortion, whether it happens in a clinic, a hospital, a doctor's office, a back alley, a train station, a bridge over a river, wherever. So, as you can tell, I'm conflicted on this particular show. It's been difficult for me to edit, and it'll come out probably in early August, as I struggle to try to separate these strong feelings I have about the inappropriateness of asking human sacrifice type questions, with my equally strong feelings that we must do something, that it's not enough to simply use choice as an excuse not to act. To me, choice is a word that calls for action. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What do you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. One other note I'd like to provide is that I'm currently in the works for a spinoff podcast that will come through the same Inappropriate Conversations website at www.inappropriateconversations.org. It'll be part of the same Podbean feed that I use for my podcasts. I'm going to call it Walk the Earth, and it is going to deal in particular with my own personal journey, trying to move from a church that has been my home for more than a decade to maybe not just a new church, but perhaps even a new denomination, or maybe even a completely new way of doing church. There won't be much overlap between these two ideas. Inappropriate Conversations has moments of nostalgia where I talk about the church of my youth. That's a potential touch point. But truthfully, Inappropriate Conversations is all about these intersections of politics and religion, popular culture, and how we manage to deal with these things, and how we'd manage to deal with them a lot better if we were more open and honest and put everything on the table. Walk the Earth is going to be a different matter. It is literally going to be trying my best to chronicle in a personal way a spiritual journey. And to give one example of what's going to be different about it, it's going to end with a prayer. Thanks for listening.